I'm Marissa Donnelly, host of the Vulnerability Podcast, a podcast series focused on being vulnerable, being emotional, being deep, and talking about topics that people often shy away from. In this podcast series, you'll see stories of faith, hope, inspiration, darkness, frustration, and everything that really challenges us to speak to our human experience and to do so in shedding our skins and being vulnerable. Welcome back to today's episode of the Vulnerability Podcast. Today I have T.M. Hoy, who is the author of Lasting Happiness, and I'm very excited to have him on the show to talk about his book and to share his crazy story with us. So, hi and welcome. Thank you so much, Marissa. I really appreciate your having me on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so first things first, I want to hear what the inspiration of Lasting Happiness is and what the message of the book is, why you felt compelled to share that book, that story, and that message. Absolutely. And, and thank you again for the opportunity. Um, so Lasting Happiness, uh, Secrets of the Heart, Mind and Spirit Revealed, very simply, it comes from a very traumatic place. Um, I spent a lot of time in Thai prison to kind of sum it up in a nutshell. Um, it was basically, I was forced to face myself and because of facing mortality. And um, I was surrounded by death. Um, I watched hundreds of people die really horrible deaths. And I nearly died several times myself. And that experience really strips everything away. It strips you of your illusions. It strips you of all the pretense. It strips away everything that um, distracts you from really learning about who you are as a person. And for many people that go through that experience, it drives them to drugs. Uh, many people are driven to suicide. Many people go crazy. But for myself, I actually learned from death and I learned those lessons. And, and it, it struck me in a place where I realized that the things I was chasing and what I was doing with my, with my life were uh, just a waste. And so the secret of lasting happiness is really quite simple. It's um, healthy relationships, nurturing relationships, starting with the one with yourself. And that is really what um, was so compelling to me uh, that it transformed my life. And uh, that's why I feel it's so important that I share this because most people spend their entire lives never having that internal dialogue and chasing the wrong things and they never find happiness. And um, I think it's, it's a terrible, terrible shame. And so that's kind of why I'm driven to uh, get this message out and try and help people to understand that happiness is right within their reach if they just have a little bit of patience and, and a little willingness to make an effort. I love how you mentioned patience because I think when we talk about happiness, we don't really see patience come up, but I think you make a great point there that sometimes finding happiness isn't necessarily, you know, stumbling upon it or fighting for it to happen. Sometimes it's simply having patience in the process, even when it's difficult and messy mm -hmm. and challenging. Mm -hmm. yeah, what it really boils down to, it starts with healing internally and intimacy. It's telling that you're uh, entire podcast is about vulnerability because that's really at the heart of it. Um, it is intimacy and you, you can't be intimate unless you're vulnerable. The way this works is really quite simple is that you start that internal dialogue by going to the places that cause you pain and, and the things that cause you discomfort. And you just have to be willing to be patient with yourself because there's parts of yourself that don't want to go there. 
Yeah. And, and making that discovery, learning who you really are as a person means understanding the things that bother you the most, the things that disturb you and addressing them and being patient and kind with yourself and saying, you know what, I need to get to the bottom of some of these things and, and let healing begin. And, and that begins with forgiveness, both of the things you've done and the things that others have done to you. And once you do that, the healing process can begin. So that's really what takes patience is just being willing to sit down with that inner self that so often we ignore or, or just kind of bulldoze over. And you, you, without that conversation, without that patience, it just never happens. And so we miss the thing that needs to happen for us to have a really happy life, which we need to have a good relationship with ourselves. And once we do that, now the door opens and uh, love can begin uh, flowing because we we have to care about ourselves and we have to be kind to ourselves. And then once you're able to do that, now you can extend it to the people around you and really mm -hmm. truly give them what they need and, and listen to them and discover who they are as people and, and begin to do that process, which um, is actually quite simple to the one similar to the one you do with yourself, but it's external. But I, I talk about all that in the book. That's really what the whole thing is about, is <laughs> how you form healthy relationships, which so many of us have a problem with. And uh, it's, it's just not the difficult thing we we're taught. Uh, it's not the difficult thing the media portrays it to be, um, but it does require some patience and, and a little effort. Yeah, and I, I love that you mentioned the word um, intimacy, because I think automatically when we hear intimacy, we think about our interpersonal relationships, we think about our romantic relationships, or even our friendships. I mean, we think of other people. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of interesting to spin that idea and put it towards ourselves and say, okay, well, how can I get intimate with myself? And in and, and meaning like, how can I dig into my deeper thoughts? How can I be more transparent, and really, you know, face the things I'm afraid of, or face the things that I don't like? you know, in order to grow. Mm -hmm. And I think we skip over that so often. We're like, oh, well, I'll work on, you know, my relationships with others. But what about yourself as an right. integral part of that? Yeah, you have to begin. It, ha it all begins with your relationship with yourself. And um, I think for many people, once that relationship begins to heal a little bit, just the simple things like doing things that you love and that you care about, um, getting to that deeper layer where you're, in, you're having a conversation with a part of yourself that's your true self. And when, when you do that, then you really are, um, you're starting a process that becomes reinforcing and virtuous. And you're able to make a transformation because many people never go there and the, they don't, ex, they don't have uh, a life that's examined. They don't examine their motives. They don't examine what it is they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. They're just following a program somebody else has put inside them. And that doesn't lead to happiness. It doesn't matter how many material things you have. It doesn't matter how many, how much status or power or wealth or fame or none of that matters mm -hmm. when it comes to happiness. What really matters is that um, you discover who your true self is and you pursue your life goals and you fill your life with loving relationships. And again, that begins with loving yourself, starting that otherwise love is just not possible. And we do that by understanding who we really are. And most people never, never take that inner journey to, to discover that. It doesn't really take much, um, but you, you have to have that conversation. And that's, that's where it all begins. 
Yeah, one of the things that um, is sticking out to me as I'm thinking about my own writing is I wrote something maybe about a year or year and a half ago about, I, I think there's like a two part to the argument of, you know, you have to know yourself in order to you know, be in a good relationship. And when I wrote the piece that I'm referencing, it was more about, you know, you don't have to know every single part of yourself in order to fall in love or to be in a relationship because we're constantly changing, we're constantly growing. But I made it a point in that article to really say, you know, you have to have a sense of self-appreciation and self-worth in order to be in a positive relationship. So no, you're not going to know every single thing about yourself and have yourself totally figured out and, you know, always have a positive outlook toward yourself. But you do have to have some semblance of understanding of just the basic things that you believe in, the basic core values and your own sense of self-worth. Otherwise, you're going to be trying to find that identity in everything and everyone else. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. I wanted to point that out to, to listeners that might, you know, be thinking about their own personal relationships and, and feel like, oh, well, I don't know who I am or I don't know what I want or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not valuing myself. So does that mean I can't have productive relationships? And I don't think that's the case, but I think we have to put in that effort and the patience, like you said, to figure out who we are because otherwise we're just chasing the, the latest thing and, and trying to discover parts of ourselves and everything else. Mm-hmm. I, I think really um, at the root, what all you need to do is open that door um, and, and the conversation flows naturally from that. Once you, once your inner self trusts your conscious self, because really, and this is something else most people don't realize, or, or if they do realize it, they try to ignore it, is that the conscious part of our mind, the logical part, is the tiniest, smallest part of our brain, and it has the least control. Uh, the vast majority of our brain is the reptilian hindbrain, and then built on top of it, the mammalian brain, which is emotional, which uses symbols, doesn't think logically. Um, and that's the part of our, those are the big parts of our brain. And the neocortex, which is the consciousness part uh, that uses logic and such, is just a tiny little construct on top of that and the most recent part of the brain. And it, it's not really in control. <laughs> uh, we like to think that the I, you know, the conscious ego part is the, is the ruler, but it's really not. The, if you think about it, it's like the people that you are romantically attracted to, um, the kind of vocation that you find uh, interesting or that you choose. Um, all of the big choices in life are not made by the conscious self and, and the conscious self is helpless to deal with it. And you see that oftentimes in unhealthy relationships that, um, and I talk about how you, how you, how you can change that, how that is possible. You can change those patterns and you can make them healthy, but you have to engage with that part of yourself, the emotional mammalian brain, if you will, that um, is the true self um, and that doesn't use logic and that is kind of prelingual, doesn't really use language much. Um, it speaks to us through dreams and, and symbols and uh, images. And that part of ourself um, is really running the show. And so you have to develop a healthy relationship with it. And that requires some time and some effort. You have to get it to trust you first, because many times our conscious mind and our ego sort of denigrate that part of ourself and we don't have a healthy relationship with it and so we treat it very badly and it doesn't trust us and when you develop a healthy relationship with your inner self when it begins to trust you then tremendous transformation is possible because all of a sudden it's a two-way street now and you're able to influence 
and change your goals. Um, you discover your life goals, you discover what's really crucially important to you, and you begin to prioritize that versus the ego stuff, which really has nothing to do with who your true self is and, and doesn't really, um, it's almost an impediment to happiness rather than the root of it. It's interesting to think about the, the different parts of ourselves mm-hmm. and how even within our own minds we're in conflict. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, it's a huge problem. Um, I, I think that many, many people, uh, I'd say the majority in the West, um, in the East, of course, there's been more time to kind of wrestle with these issues thousands of years, culturally speaking, and, and they've come to some very different answers. In the West, of course, we have a almost a very negative con- connotation to subjective thought or um, these kind of dialogues. Um, Whereas in the East, it's almost taken for granted. But here in the West, we're distrustful of emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, we're distrustful of, of a sub- subjective viewpoint. And we you know, pride ourselves on the logic and the reason and all the rest. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's wrong necessarily, but the emphasis has been taken to an extreme. And so that's why there's so much unhealthiness in, in our relationships with ourselves and with each other, because we don't recognize and we don't appreciate that inner self than the quiet inner voice and and allow that to speak and allow it to guide us and have a healthy relationship with it what you see in, in many people is a terrible conflict and they're driven by things that are really not crucial to the deeper part of themselves but any anytime you look to me anyway anytime i look around the world and i see all the destructive practices all the problems all the violence and the conflict and really all of it comes from that inability to love and the inability to have a healthy nurturing relationship with yourself and those around you. Because if you have that, then all the things the world uh, values and promotes become rather unimportant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want a giant house. I don't need one. I, I don't, it would be a pain in the butt to take care of it. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to, I don't want a yacht. I don't need a giant car. I don't need any of these toys and status symbols to be happy. It's like, I have wonderful people and, and they love me and I love them. And I'm so blessed and so happy. When you look abroad, when you look at, at countries that we consider poverty stricken, most people are happy there. I mean, they're, they're having trouble with the basics, which is a terrible tragedy. And I think that's one of the things that we need as a people to, to resolve. But once your basic needs are met, everything else just flows from whether or not you have loving loving relationships. And, and what you find in many of these countries in the third world and developing world is that they have that. They have a good, strong family. They have a good uh, support network of people around them. And they know, they recognize what's really important and they, they pursue that. And, and that is why you have so many people that even though they may be in abject poverty are actually quite happy or quite satisfied. It's a, kind of a dichotomy that in the West, you see so many celebrities and public figures that are wealthy and have every kind of material comfort, and they're just miserable. And their entire life is a, is a, just a mess. And it all stems from that, that they just don't know themselves. They don't have a healthy relationship with themselves or other people around them, you know, and that's, that's the result. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're fantastically wealthy, if you, if you don't have a good relationship with yourself and those around you, you're going to be miserable. 
And I think there's an element of pressure in society, you know, the pressure to keep up, the pressure to prove, the pressure to find mm-hmm. where you fit in, the pressure to mm-hmm. excel, the pressure to be the best. So there's all of these things that are, you know, creating conflict within ourselves and then also with others. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of takes away from that ability to build a relationship because we start to take on the perspective of, oh, you know, well, I'll be good enough when I have X, Y, and Z, or I'll finally be worthy once I do these things. So mm-hmm. it's a constant uphill battle. Right. Yeah, that has, I, I talk a great deal about that actually in the book um, where I talk about how, and that's one of the very first things you got to do is escape those mental cages where you challenge those beliefs and those idea systems that govern us. You have to free yourself because we in the West especially, but I mean, it is a worldwide phenomenon, are driven by that whole idea that we must succeed and we allow success to be defined by somebody else. We don't define it internally. And, and there is where the problem begins. For the vast majority of people, it's completely unnecessary. It, it is, it's been put in place by society. You know, the last 5,000 years of civilization have all been about that kind of social control. This is part and parcel of how we're raised and how we're tamed kind of domestically. We're trained from very, very early on. Most of schooling really is obedience training. And the whole point of it is to get us to behave and to continue to support the current uh, power structure and the way that resources are distributed. But in reality, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. You can step back and decide whether or not you want to pursue the goals that society says, quote unquote, must be pursued if you are to be, quote unquote, successful in society's eyes. In reality, you have a very different choice and you don't need those things. You have to escape those mental cages. You have to get away from belief systems and structures, idea structures that control us and and, and reach a, a true state of mental freedom. And it's not particularly difficult. It just requires awareness. And once you're aware of it, then, then these things fall away. They're like chains that just drop off of you. But you have to, be, you have to look for them first. Mm-hmm. You have to be conscious of them, and very few people take that time to look. Money is a, is a classic example of a human creation and idea structure that dominates us uh, in many negative ways. It poisons relationships in many ways. And when you step outside of it for a second, you say, wait a minute. Okay, yeah, money is necessary uh, for me to continue have, you know, having a modern life and, and the things that it requires, but do I want to let this idea structure dominate me to the point where it's going to be my sole goal and where I'm going to devote all my energy and resources to obtaining it? And when you step back and you say, wait a minute, there's other stuff way more important than money. And then it shifts the whole conversation. But that's just one idea structure out of thousands. And you really need to have those conversations where you look carefully at your life and you say, "What what is driving my life? What are the belief systems and idea structures that drive me? And are they things that I really want and, and, uh, believe in and, and think are accurate and true. And, um, it's just a matter of being aware again, but very few people have that conversation. So it's conscious awareness. It's reflecting and asking yourself, you know, reflection questions and looking at yourself being vulnerable and choosing to ask and to see some of the more difficult parts and kind of like self-analyzing. Yeah, really, really what it all boils down to is 
for the vast majority of people to find happiness, all that it requires is a little bit of kindness <laughs> and, and, and a little bit of a willingness to say, you know what, let's, let's slow down on the messages from the outside world and let's just have a talk with ourselves, a deep heart to heart and say, you know what, what is it that really matters to me? And uh, I give a lot of tools on how you do that. Um, it's actually pretty simple. And again, it just takes a little bit of bravery because it's a little bit painful, a little bit vulnerable. You know, you got to got to mm -hmm. go to places we don't like to go normally. But when you open that door, then everything begins to change and you have that internal dialogue and then you can have it with somebody else. You can have it with the nearest and dearest in your life. And for the majority of people, once they've done that, then everything begins to transform. Because if you're kind and you're giving first to yourself, and then those to those around you, it's all over. You're done. You're yeah. you're gonna find happiness. Yeah. And it, it's that simple. And um, most people never wake up to that. That man, it's right here. It is so simple. It, it's like if you think about who are the people in your life that are the most important to you, and what are they doing for you? It, they a lot of times it's just as simple as that they care about you and they love you and they're listening to you and they're willing to try and help you out once in a while. And if you do that for other people, you're going to be the most important person in their life. And so transform that relationship with yourself just by being willing to be a little bit kind and a little bit gentle with yourself, a little bit giving, and then extend that to others. And once you start that process, it's a virtuous cycle that begins and it just gets better and better. Like you mentioned earlier, you don't have to go all the way. <laughs> it doesn't require some huge self-analysis. It doesn't require years of effort. No, 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 you don't have to do that. For most people, I think just being a little bit gentle, a little bit kind and forgiving, first to themselves and then to others, and that's enough. And, and they're gonna find their way to a really, really happy life. And it's so close and it requires so little. Yeah, I'm glad you clarified that because it sounded at first like, looking kind of deep into yourself and really asking yourself these challenging questions. But I love what you said about, you know, being kind and being willing to go a little bit deeper with yourself. It's easy. It's not as challenging as we make it because I think what my goal was to kind of give my listeners some, you know, actionable tips. Like what can we take away from you, from your story, from your book and say, okay, to find lasting happiness, what do I really need to do? And we talked about so many different things, but I love how you just simplified it there. And you said, you know, it's kindness and it's a willingness to be patient and it's a willingness to go to places that we're scared of going to for the sole reason that it's going to challenge us and make us grow. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's the key. And again, people don't need to be afraid. It's not some kind of a scary thing and mm -hmm. it doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's a long process, but once you begin that, once you begin the process of healing and forgiveness that open the door, then, then everything else follows from it. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for just shedding your wisdom, your insight, sharing that with all of my listeners and just taking it deeper, but then also simplifying it for us so that we know, you know, although this seems intense and challenging <laughs> and difficult in some ways, I think you've also made me and I'm sure a lot of people listening see it in a different way where, you know, it doesn't have to be so hard. Vulnerability doesn't have to be scary. Challenging social norms and really pursuing happiness doesn't have to feel like an uphill battle. And I think that's really some encouragement that we need to hear and pay attention to. So thank you. 
Absolutely, Marissa. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share that. And I, I do hope that listeners take that away, that it really is just as simple as uh, being kind to yourself, starting off with that and, and letting it flow from there. And then being kind to the people that you love the most.